Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Welcome to Discographology, the podcast where it's not about love. It's not. It's about hate. Was yours better than that? <laughs> no, that's pretty good. I was going to have where you can be mean to us, we'll make the most of it because we're extraordinary machines. It's a little long-winded. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, but uh, long-winded, unlike mine last time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. What are we doing so, today, Like We are doing a pregame ahead of Fiona Apple's third album extraordinary machine and we're talking about what we've been up to uh before we get into alternate albums is what i'm calling this i think what could have um, been first of all how's everyone been logan has snakes in his house (laughs) (laughs) we we not in all the the good stories we told off air yeah no i've got some basement snakes uh i've got a basement it's just uh they're black snakes they're fine it's just not really where i want them to be i just want them to be somewhere else (laughs) and do their thing just not in this stairwell to my basement it reminds me of uh the x-files where where they had the actual satanists at the at the high school but the uh Mm -hmm. uh didn't somebody get eaten by a snake in that episode yes i I actually have the figurine for that episode looking at me right now (laughs) d hand d something it was german was the name of that episode they made a little figurine of the teacher lady that was the satanist yeah logan's tired of these snakes on my tired of these (laughs) snakes in my (laughs) basement oh boy Uh, Snakes in a basement doesn't make us a good of, it's not as, movie. It's not that great of a movie. Nobody wants to see no. that. And it certainly doesn't have right. Samuel L. Jackson. It just has this average white guy that's just really pissed off and afraid about it. having a bad day. It's having a bad day. In Alien, when they find the, the chest burster's skin. Oh, uh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I, I wish that they never really make it clear how quickly it goes from that little snake guy into something that's the size of an orangutan you know, yeah feet tall or something well yeah. yeah it was like you know this little you know face hugger and then the next time we see it it's coming down what on harry dean stanton or something it's just yeah. like holy it's the, shit it's, that's it's huge full, it goes straight to full size there's no medium that's not messing around so within what, hours i uh, what you're proposing is we we need we need like Teen alien. <laughs> yeah, and we, uh, guys, we need to see different It was different called skins. Prometheus or Alien. Uh, what was Covenant? the one after Prometheus? Covenant. Covenant. Alien. By the way, I think underrated. I think I think I've told this before. I, I like Prometheus and Alien Covenant. I haven't seen since I saw it in the theater, but I have thoughts. Um, I think I've told this before, but when Beth was uh, when we were pregnant the first time. We watch Prometheus and that scene when she gets into the oh chamber and does the surgery on herself that's to get the baby. I turned to watch. I turned to Beth and I said, "That's what it's gonna be like when you have oh, a baby. <laughs> You're gonna have to get into a chamber and <laughs> get Josh, king of the wrong thing at the wrong time." <laughs> oh hey, Pro- nothing like watching an alien in uh, H.R. Geiger, you know, movie when you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Oh man, uh, we should we should talk about what we've been listening to, right? Yeah, and, and purchasing and yes. spending money on and and all that stuff. Let's do and it. Uh, I yeah. I think it's funny because three fourths of us technically have one of the same things. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, gonna be we, a big topic. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. We, so uh, uh, we three fourths of us, myself, uh, Logan, and Blake, all picked up uh, recently Mars Volta, deloused in the Comatorium, specifically the Vinyl Me Please version uh, that that was released. And marble gold. Yeah, it's on a nice little colored vinyl as they usually do. Came with the art print photo of Cedric and Omar and. Uh, I we've been talking about it via text uh, because when it came out very quickly in the Vinyl Me Please subreddit, there was people talking about surface noise and some people saying, do you guys have surface noise? You know, that kind of thing. And so I listened to mine. Now, I should say I do not know this album as well as Logan or Blake do. I, I was coming into it completely fresh for the most part, other than one song. And it sounded fine to me. Like, I don't know. I listened to mine. And I was like, yeah. this seems fine. Now, it's also possible my copy was was fine. Um, but, yeah, I've been listening to that, actually. Uh, whereas uh, Logan, I think, and I, you said you had some issues with yours. Uh, there's some surface noise on Sonnet Lumi- Lumiere. Um, the opening track, and I've, I've read that that's been a problem spot for a lot of people. I'm going to give it a clean and hopefully see how that goes but i haven't had a chance to do that yet but i I threw it on the other night and i can compared it and yeah i i I think it sounds it it sounded pretty good but the surface noise was was pretty bad at the beginning so is it basically the same it's the same like master and everything as as the other version right or Mm, did they do a different it's technically it's it's a new master of it i believe because it's been uh remastered i don't think it's because i think the only one that was left was like the universal uh digital transfer so i believe that they they got another transfer that they had that omar had and were able to remaster it that way so it is a new master of it okay um blake how's your sound you haven't said i haven't your sound I, ha- I haven't listened because i haven't had a chance i'll have to report back but um uh, Logan, you should like play it, play and re- record into Reaper or something like the the first track uh, of the Vinyl Me Please versus the first track of of the box set or I don't know how many versions you have, but a uh, a B comparison I, would be cool. I have uh, I have thoughts. I have thoughts about okay. that about the different versions about out there. what because there's you <laughs> uh, know well, there's several different versions of Deloused. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Are we wait? I'd are we going to get to that a little later? Yeah, is that... yeah, we'll talk okay. later. Okay. Uh, I do want to mention okay. though my thoughts on listening to it because I've listened to it a, a few times. Um, I think my early impression, as I told everybody, was that Televators was was my jam, which surprised Logan <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and after a few more listens, I still, I mean, I, Roulette Dares uh, has become up. Is Great that's what's called right? The third track. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny though because. My uh, daughter the other day was walking around singing Exoskeleton over and over again. <laughs> that's kind of the hook of that. And it was very, she's just walking around going, Exoskeleton. <laughs> very strange. Um, also, uh, real quickly, I just want to mention, I recently picked up Brian Eno's Here Come the Warm Jets. I didn't mention that last episode, I believe. 
um, the first album by yeah. him. And that one's pretty good. Kind of his glam, glamiest glam rock he got with needle, it's not that glam. needle. Well, it's got needle in the camel's eye and babies on fire, which I really like that. They, one, they put the, both of those album. in Velvet Goldmine, which was sort of the glam rock movie they made a few years ago. Um, <laughs> and I also want to mention what I found today, which is probably only of interest to this group of people, but I was at Goodwill and I found a still in the shrink wrap copy of old local favorites, Adrian Fortress, um, oh, their first album. Town. And I was kind of pumped about in it shrink wrap in the shrink. The reason I was excited about it That's was fantastic. if anything ever happens to my copy, I got another copy now, which is nice because that's not something I could just like order, you know, or go replace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or go Did replace. I? So it's like now I have a copy in perfect condition that I know, you know, will always be there. So that's kind of nice. I was excited about Did, that. Did I mention I went to my mom's house and I, I found my seven inch of, uh, Adrian Fortress, I believe I think, it's family time. Yeah. 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 Brought it back. Which was been mentioned before because Matt purchased it. <laughs> I bought that yeah. that seven inch at, at Stick It in Your Ear uh a while back. Oh, I still had it. Do yeah. we so so glad do you have that, Josh? That. Do we all have I do have I think we all have that seven okay. inch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a quorum. So uh that's what I've been listening. Matt, what have you been listening to? Well, uh I, I kind of went in a, in a orthogonal direction, uh than you guys with all the Mars Volta, but, uh, you know, we've been doing Fiona Apple and I've been, you know, trying to fill in gaps of, you know, things that I should listen to and, and, you know, kind of be familiar with. And I've been thinking a lot about, uh, female artists and I put on, uh, Joni Mitchell's blue, uh, which I, I, I had heard a couple of tracks from, but never sat down and, and got all the way through. And it's, you know, I was really kind of, uh, had my socks blown off, uh, at how good it is. Um, you know, just really interesting, um, you know, kind of songs that, you know, don't, don't fit traditional structures. And, you know, she's at the height of her powers with, with her instrumentation and and her voice that I was just really, really kind of blown away. And, and, you know, we'll be looking for a hard copy of that, uh, sooner rather than later. Palette cleanser pick. Just throwing that out there. It'd be a good one. It's yeah. it's a phenomenal yeah. album. It really is. And it would, I could finally get to hear it. I don't think I ever have. <laughs> uh, Blake, what have you been listening to? Um, so I have some cover album related news. Um, my wife and I, well, actually Jessica went ahead and ordered because we didn't, we weren't able to find it at Record Store Day. So she found a, a decent price on, I think it was eBay for the uh, St. Vincent Covers 7-inch. Uh, which was the only thing we really wanted from this record store day, I think. By the way, I think I didn't realize that that one Weird Al, <laughs> Weird Al cover of "Beat on the Brat" was like this three inch, right? Yeah, is it for miniature players? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I didn't realize that I wouldn't be able to play it unless I bought this like stupid uh, novelty mini player from Urban Outfitters. <laughs> Oh my God. But, I, anyway. I just had this flash or this vision of like, that's going to become some new trend, like mini oh. vinyl. And we start, it's like a Nintendo Amiibo or something. It's like, oh, we got to get that mini vinyl of that one song that we really want. <laughs> it's just going to be so yeah. ridiculous. Like, it's because singles again, yeah. but like less, less convenient it's than that. It's super limited. It's just like, uh, I mean, as stupid well, it, as I least, am, I'd probably buy it. At least with the mini CDs, you could play them in a CD player. Yeah. Oh, yes, Matt. Speaking of that, you know what? My wife also fucking ordered. 
because okay we're doing a nine inch nails podcast um she ordered uh broken the the first run of the album broken it's an ep came with the ep on a regular cd and two bonus tracks on a mini cd that's cool packed packed in with it and and it wasn't that expensive to get one of those and I'd never owned this. It's really cool. Was that between? I, I need to catch up on on uh, on uh, hit Nine Inch Nails podcast nailed. Uh, but <laughs> was was broken? Was that between Pretty Hate Machine and Downward Spiral? Correct. It's okay. the EP between the first two LPs, and it's very weird and different. What were the songs uh, and, on and the awesome. mini disc? I think Logan asked that. Um, uh, cover of Adam Ant's "You're So Physical." Yeah, okay. And um, a song called "Suck," which is yeah. I'm going to call it a, a collaboration <laughs> between Pig Face and Nine Inch Nails. Oh, I thought. Vent. I thought. By the way, when you say "suck," the first thing I think of is "Kiss," the Prince song. And so when you said "Pig Face," my brain did whiplash because I was thinking Prince in my head, and then and you that, said "Pig Face." I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> now I'm I'm reminded kiss. of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers' "Suck My Kiss." Suck no. my kiss. Oh, yeah. okay. There we go. Suck my kiss. There we go. The the Saint Vincent Seven Inch. It's uh, sad but true, it, right? Her cover of that. Yeah. Oh. Speaking of not. Speaking of Nine Inch Nails, the other side is Piggy. Piggy. Ah. Uh, with Dave Grohl on drums. Nice. Um, and I uh, also was kind of getting into that car seat headrest uh, covers EP. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> they also f- you said cover Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, you said that was something you thought I'd be into. I listened to it. It's funny to me the their cover of substitute by the who just sounds like the, yeah. the actual version by the who i was like yeah this, it's, this it's pretty good pretty close. it's pretty good and then I, I really like their kate bush running up that hill cover mm. Mm. uh and then then i got listening to the the album whatever it's called making a door less open for the first time i started really getting into that it's pretty cool cool so car seat headrest guys uh logan what have you been listening to so I've been listening to Tool's uh, Fear Inoculum uh, 2019 album, which I don't know. Everyone seems to have an a, opinion on whether they love or hate Tool and, uh, you know, whatever, to each their own. But uh, I think they're a phenomenal band and I think it's a phenomenal record, but I've just been kind of digging into it and really immersing myself. So that's been fun. Um, for Record Store Day, I picked up 1996's The Cure Wild Mood Swings which is not necessarily a a favorite Cure album of mine by any means, Uh, but it's one that I don't have. I think I might have mentioned that I was thinking about getting it or something, but uh, it's a Did it grow in any stature for you, this listen? Yeah, it did. I I listened to it again, and it hit me a little bit different this time than the first time I listened to it. Hello? Hello? Yes. Oh, sorry. I heard a weird noise. I heard a doot-doot-doot. Did you hear that? It's the snakes. Uh, oh, I didn't. Nope. The oh, snakes God. are dialing a phone. They're calling more snakes. <laughs> well, I didn't. Jesus I didn't make Christ. it up. It really did. Send it was more a, snakes. Anyway, no. It's uh, I I like it more this time. There's still some songs on there that I'm just like, what are they doing? What? What? Why? Why? <laughs> but it's been fun. But speaking of the cure, so I. I actually got this in the mail today haven't even been able to listen to it or open it yet but uh singer krista bell uh who's kind Mm. of affiliated with david lynch and has been in twin peaks the return uh she's released several albums great voice uh she released a cure cover album called strangest angels and i mean it's a full album of cure cure covers from you know spanning their entire career 
So I'm very excited to listen to that. Uh, hmm. One time she sent me a, an autograph record and there was a Ziploc baggie and like a little corner uh, cut of a sequin dress. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In the world. Right. And so when I opened up the the Ziploc baggie to kind of inspect the the little piece of sequin dress, I mean, it, she sprayed like perfume on it and her perfume hits you just like, and I was what just like, fuck? this is some crazy marketing. <laughs> like, what is she doing Logan to me? floated like a cartoon character, you know? I'm just like, I'm like, uh, whoa. I, that was just a, it, it just blew me away. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it made a last, I said, I'll be sure to pick out the next one, I guess. <laughs> it's funny how she, S- David- Send me more dress. Send me like more dress. A, like David Lynch, you know how he used to work with Julie Cruz all the time. It's like Krista Bell yeah. is sort of, uh, did she replace Julie Cruz? Is she the new Julie Cruz for David Lynch? Uh, well, like- I, th- I think he's got a couple <laughs> different, uh, you know, women that he regularly- collaborates with but uh yeah she's kind of a, a a new at the time she's been around for a while now um, yeah but a while back you know she was she was kind of new to the scene and i think he kind of helped uh get her there a little bit i mean uh, not get her there just you know i think she got there on her own by the singing and got you know recognized by david lynch and i think he helped to push her even farther is what i'm saying i didn't mean to you know, no, yeah. Minimize By the that. way, uh, guys, I got a new idea for marketing for our next album. We also marketed uh-huh. that it's going to come in a bat with a baggie with our scent. Huh. I think that'll really move move some copies. <laughs> pure pure stank for the do you, practice. Do you like the smell of thirty year old men? Thirty? <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> we'll put it in a bag for you. Oh geez. Anyway, it's sorry. Uh, you know farts in a jar. So. <laughs> Blake Blake sweat towel from drumming. Uh, uh, so, any, have you got anything else, nope, Logan? No, nope, that's, that? that, okay. that's it. I'm just. Uh, by the way, forward. I did. All I right. did want to ask on the Christabel album: Does she do any covers of Cure songs from Wild Mood Swings? The other thing you picked up. Uh I don't believe so. Uh, I'll have to double check. I don't have the playlist completely in front of me. I know there's Charlotte sometimes, Three Imaginary Boys, maybe huh. Friday I'm in Love. Uh, I'm sure Just Like Heaven has to probably be on there. Um, hundred years. I think she does a hundred years from pornography. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it's a good song. But I, I don't know. My nephews were here whenever I, I got it, so I just kind of opened it. And was like, <laughs> yeah, awesome. And this is like, for Unky Logan. This is for Unky Logie. <laughs> I can't sniff this dress Get your while you're around. <laughs> chocolate sticky bug finger. No, they're they're very clean. They're good boys. They're not. Uh, that's good. They're not river kids. All all children are <laughs> sticky. I think. Nice. That I've come across. <laughs> All right. What's our uh, special right. topic so this some week? Good, some Blake. good picks. So um, the next album we're doing, Extraordinary Machine, has a had a troubled production, took three plus years, and they ended up, after having basically recorded an, recording an entire album, uh, scrapped it and remade it again from the ground up. So I wanted, I asked everyone to pick some alternate albums albums that have more than one version sometimes when your album doesn't perform the way you want it to you gotta call in the alternates is that i'm trying to keep like sports metaphors going is that (laughs) does that track or sometimes you never release the alternate it's it's the one that never gets put out there right right okay yeah um mythical it's lost so yeah i 
I don't know necessarily what everyone else picked, but I, I left it open to interpretation. Um, mine is kind of like, kind of like a, a prototype or, or one of the most legendary cases of a troubled production that um, I want to say th- 33 years later led to, to an alternate official alternate album being released. It's the Beatles Let It Be. So notoriously um, troubled production um, spanning, well, some say spanning, you, you could say spanning uh, beginning of 1969 to beginning of 1970. Technically Across the Universe was recorded at the beginning of 1968, I found out, which is really weird. Um, it's a white album all, left over, I believe. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll try to truncate this because as I was, as I was saying uh, off mic, a whole podcast series could probably be done <laughs> on all the drama surrounding just let it be. But in Beatles, uh, in, in Beatles time, uh, a full year is basically like an eternity as far as <laughs> making an album goes. It's like dog years. It took them right. It, it took, cause you know, two albums a year, whatever they did. It took them so long to finish let it be that they recorded a whole other album in the middle of that <laughs> Abbey Road. Jeez. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, imagine imagine putting Ugh. an LP on hold, then recording another legendary LP, and then resuming that one that you put on hold. Uh, What's so there always like? There's one thing that's always shocked me about that too, which is they didn't use any of the songs from Let It Be, even the ones that weren't on Let It Be. Ultimately, they didn't use necessarily. Like I guess they did work on a few Abbey Road songs during those sessions, but it's just surprising that they didn't like revisit any. They had to ha- think that right. they were going to do something with that material. It was, yeah, it was so different. Yeah, it was a very different thing. I guess they compartmentalized it, but so let it be. It's so strange because it's like a a hybrid of it's not it's a not quite live, not quite studio hybrid. It's like some live stuff with some overdubs and. Uh, we have some people who may know more uh, than me on the mic right now, so chime in if I'm getting anything wrong, please. All right, Logan. But uh, uh-huh. okay. Um, to me, it's really weird to take live raw type stuff done in in one take, and and it sounds like it, like stuff like two of us, and putting. So for this one, Phil Spector came in for some reason. Um, I guess when you're having trouble bringing Phil Spector to produce, he did the whole wall of sound thing, brought in a full size orchestra and a full choir. And it was a controversial choice to put orchestra and choir on top of these uh, live raw uh, takes. But uh, for some reason, for some reason, that's what happened. And that's what ended up being the, uh, the first release version. I know that Paul McCartney really hated it. <laughs> yeah. And especially it because it was not he felt his choice it, to bring Phil Spector in at yeah. all. That was John it, and George. Okay. I was going to ask you about that. He hated it and he 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 felt that uh it ruined his his uh really uh uh smarmy song Long and Winding Road. <laughs> and uh, it <laughs> well, is and also very... Phil Spector did weird things like took I Me Mine and doubled it in yeah. length so it would be twice the length just by literally copying and pasting whatever the equivalent of copying and pasting it, it, in 1969 yeah, well, <laughs> liter, literal cutting and pasting of magnetic tape <laughs> yeah. is what happened make it some weird choices uh, but and the thing about that is i don't i love the way i mean mine ended up 
because it was it was like less than a minute long. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty short. They song. needed at like it was too short. So I, I get why he copy pasted. Anyway, um, so I for some reason I thought John Lennon had like already quit the band by the time that Phil Spector came in, but I guess I I'm getting the timelines wrong. Um, so what was weird was in 2003 they released what was or spearheaded by McCartney, I guess. They released a version called Let It Be, dot, 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 naked. Uh, took all the Spectre stuff out, changed stuff around, uh, took out all the banter that was mostly John, I think. Um, took out two of the kind of improv sounding songs and put in a B-side. And I like it. I In some ways, I like it better, and some I don't. Like, I, a lot of the stuff sounds better without the superfluous specter stuff right the the thing uh, oh i'm sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead well, i was just gonna you were talking about what you liked better and and for me at least grow you know beatles was you know were some of the earliest music i listened to and and let it be was definitely in rotation you know dad had a uh had a a cassette tape you know copied off of a uh off of an lp so i was a lot more familiar with the specter mixes yeah and kind of hearing different versions, it, it's just going to sound weird on, you know, just on familiarity bias. A- and, you know, it, it's it's just real. It's it's hard for me to differentiate because I really like all all the skits and I love Dig It and um, the skits. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like the banter. Yeah, it, it's good banter. It, it's, you know, uh I'm sure that there was but, examples by the way, of banter I, prior I should, to, but I should jump in and say yes, they cut the banter. But if you bought that when it came out, it came with an extra disc True. called okay. "Fly on the yes. Wall." That was a 20-minute long disc of nothing but them <laughs> right, talking. Right. Because I remember sitting in my living and room listening around. to it, being like, "What are they saying?" <laughs> yeah. There's lost but songs in, in here. Uh. Um, <laughs> But like, in my opinion, "Let It Be" is has a you know good bones, but it's a song that on the record is overdone, and I don't so I don't mind the naked version. Um, it kind of takes out some stuff that is unnecessary and kind of leaves with what's more important. Takes out a silly like tape delay that was on the hi hat that I don't know screws with the whole thing. I didn't really care for. A lot of the stuff's improved. It is very weird that they waited till long after John Lennon's death to make something that well, George had to die like, first too. Okay, yeah. So George, George, both George and John Lennon wanted Spectre on it. Yeah. Right? Well, all the things must pass is produced by Phil Spectre as well. Okay. So I think. Well, it's a, George worked with nake, him. Yeah. Naked is almost like a McCartney's slap to their two dead faces. <laughs> he could strong arm Ringo, so it didn't matter <laughs> if Ringo like, was still alive. It's it's weird. Like <laughs> it feels a bit weird, but I mean, it's it, it also feels cleaner, more succinct. It's naked. Uh, the, I, they got a chance to remix everything, so the mixes sound a little bit better, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but you know, listen to both. Decide for yourselves, folks. You probably already have. Everybody knows Beatles stuff, right? Um, so, sorry that one took so long. It's all right. Blake's taking a bold stance miss, on the podcast, taking I, the Beatles down I a miss, notch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's time we we take down the Beatles. Did did I miss anything? Or? I you I mean you could go on forever, but I think yeah, I think you, it's good, too much. Good summation. Much. Let it be naked. Let it be naked. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for mine, I I settled on something fairly predictable. I feel like for me, I I went around to a lot of different choices. Um, even at one point, thinking about uh 
a Dave Matthews band <laughs> lost album, wow. but I ultimately went with uh, the alternate version of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, um, the Wilco album from Ooh. 2001. Um, quick rundown here. So Wilco, when they started recording what would be their fourth album in 2000, they had the same standard core band that had been on the last couple albums. You had Ken Coomer on drums, Jay Bennett on guitar, John Stratt on bass, Jeff Tweedy on vocals. They added Leroy Bach in there as well on keyboards. And the songs written for the album at that time were also fairly similar to the previous album's sort of straightforward pop rock songs that would fit on Summer Teeth, the previous album. What's interesting is by the time the album came out, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot in 2001, it was uh, had a different drummer, Glenn Kochi, who was a much more improvisationally minded, jazzier kind of drummer. Uh, Jay Bennett was out, and the album had been mixed by Sonic Youth's Jim O'Rourke and had a lot of different stuff going on in it uh, and not just these sort of straightforward pop rock songs. So... It's a stellar album. I, I love Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Lots of interesting things going on um, in it that would sound at home on a Radiohead record. Um, but there is technically a lost version of this album that has the mix that Jay Bennett did before he left the band that you can find out there, sometimes called Here Comes Everybody, because that was the original title of the album. Also, though, uh, just Yankee Hotel Foxtrot alternate takes. And... I love that one as well. Um, Matt probably remembers me playing selections from that back in the day uh, oh, yeah. because there were a ton of songs that were cut that would show up on later uh, albums, whether they be Jay Bennett solo albums or Wilco B-sides. Um, but you could almost make an album out of the stuff that was cut as well. Or, you know, it's, it's a lot more straightforward pop rock kind of feel than what the album was. And I really think they should have, you know, what they released was what deserved to be released. It's, it's a lot more experimental and interesting, but there's the part of me that just loves good melodic songwriting and hooks. And some of those original songs like magazine called sunset, Venus, stop the train, shaken sugar, cars can't escape. All those are great songs as well. And it's just an interesting listen to hear this sort of original version before they got weirder with it so yeah my, i've never heard that it, it i don't know if you would like it i mean that's the thing it's like if you <laughs> if you really like summer teeth then yeah you'd probably really like it, it. it's good but i do like it if, i like if you're how like Yankee hotel foxtrot ended yeah up. And, and it is a great album um no doubt but yeah it is just New interesting flesh. to hear this original <laughs> version that's just a little little different um so that's my selection the alternate yankee hotel foxtrot um, I, I thought a little bit about this and, and um, you know, had some trouble thinking of, of whole albums that, that might have, you know, alternate versions uh, like the example that, that we see in Extraordinary Machine. Uh, one thing I, I did think about was um, how the Sound of Silence was originally on uh, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m., and then when uh, when the second Simon and Garfunkel album came out, um, you know, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m. had not been that successful, and Paul Simon went to London and um, recorded a whole other solo album, the Paul Simon Songbook, that had a lot of songs that would, uh, uh, that would show up on the Sound of Silence, the, the second version but but the thing that really kind of stuck with me is uh 
what it must have been like to for them to put that on the first time that they heard uh, that was it Tom is it Tom Hammond had added kind of the the folk rock uh, treatment to the the song The Sound of Silence uh, that was originally just a, an acoustic uh, track and that that must have been weird weird for them because evidently it was kind of a, a surprise to them uh, that, that that was late in the game but uh, what I landed on was um, the Peel Sessions by Joy Division. Um, I played a Joy Division tribute show with uh, with some f- uh, folks. This is, you know, probably 10 or 11 years ago now. And I'd never really listened to them before and, and kind of did a deep dive at the time and got all their, you know, all their stuff and listened through. And, you know, I lo- love a lot of those songs. And I think we've even talked about them on the, the show before. But I, I keep finding that my, my favorite versions of their songs, you know, both off of Unknown Pleasures and off of uh, Substance are the versions that you find on the Peel Sessions, both of which were recorded in uh, 1979. But uh, it was one of the only uh, only times that they did transmission where they both played guitar, both uh, Bernard Sumner and Ian Curtis. And uh, I just think that was... You know, a really interesting choice. The tempo is a little bit different on transmission, and then uh, the love will tear us apart. Um, I, I think it, I think it just sounds more raw and and kind of in your face, uh, and not not as as I was getting into Joy Division. You know, kind of my only knock on them was, boy, they sounded like they were made. You know, records made in 1980. Uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> it's it's, a, it, it's definitely an effect, and it and it gives a vibe, but it also has you know. Uh, when taken to extremists, that that kind of really sterile, delayed, fake, roomy sound, you know, definitely kind of dates the material. But I, I don't think you get that as much uh, on the Peel Sessions. And I, I think the kind of the, the raw power uh, uh, comes through a little bit more. So I, I commend uh, that to, to the folks. Uh, check out those Joy Division Peel Sessions. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I had a couple albums that i was kind of thinking about i guess i don't know i'll ask you guys what you think do you think that the beach boys smile and versus like smiley smile counts as kind of like an alternate uh, album absolutely yeah yeah, yeah i in, sure. in fact when blake said the thing about the the pair prototypical example i feel like smile is sort of the the prototypical yeah. lost album you know right exactly and that's kind of what i i thought you know because once i started thinking about it i'm like oh that's that's a pretty cliche answer i'm sure because it's uh one of the most remembered like lost albums um, right so i went with one that's kind of brand new to me or one that i didn't even i think the information was there but i didn't really know about everything but again we we were earlier talking about the mars volta and i had to go with d last in the comatorium and landscape tantrums which was released this year and this is so d in the Comatorium is produced by Rick Rubin and features Flea on bass. It's a completely, you know, influential and one of my all-time favorite albums. However, it was re-recorded from a previous attempt that hasn't officially been released until this year called Landscape Tantrums. I think there was some kind of rough leak of it somewhere on the internet called Summer Songs 
or something like that. But this new, like it's coming from the proper source. It's been mixed and mastered and it sounds phenomenal. It's a completely different take on the album. And this was made without Rick Rubin and featured somewhat of a different lineup with Ralph Jasso on bass. I guess he's Hmm. a friend from El Paso. It's missing the instrumental interludes, but the main songs are all there. And it's such a strange and captivating listen. It's it's not as polished, and it's just an overall different feel to the songs. It's kind of like where you would expect At The Drive-In to have gone, and but it just needed some kind of focus. It needed someone to kind of rein all of that in into something, I think, with what we ultimately got. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing to think about, though, and it makes you wonder like if things like this should be released. Because on one hand, I think that the the album that we got and how it sounded with Rick Rubin, I think, is a masterpiece, and I wouldn't change anything about it at all. Um, but this is a different take. This is like DeLouse deformed brother hiding in the closet or something. It's, <laughs> it's just... The, the dark half? Yeah, it's just this whole nother side to it. it it's it's a doppelganger of sorts it's and there's some really gnarly sounds in there too that i wish that they would have kept and put on the rick rubin version so you get a different take and i really like that it's a different energy uh, cedric i don't think he has quite hit his his peak vocal yet like it, it's not as strong of a performance as it is um on the rick rubin version his performance is I don't know. I just think he needed help or focus or he needed some more practice to take it to more interesting heights than what he was doing. But I I loved it. Uh, I think it's I highly recommend it. It's funny. What you said sounds like kind of what I was saying about the Wilco. Like it's a band in transition and the album that ultimately results is a classic. But as a fan who loves that band and loves that album, you also love hearing this kind of alternate world version of yeah. that album, you know, um, and, and maybe not something that everybody would love, but at the same time, like, is it, it sounded like you were saying it was more at the drive-in esque, right? Or, or more yeah, in th- that direction. I think so. It's just a little rougher. It's just not as polished. The drums sound phenomenal. Like the performances are great. Uh, it's just, it's just a little bit more of a punk version of it or just a little rougher around the edges. I wonder why they switched to Flea on bass. Well, like why I, they went with somebody I th- else. I mean, I th- why wouldn't you? <laughs> right, right. But if you had a, somebody who was working out, I mean, every well, band switches to Flea. He's that just was in the every problem. band now. <laughs> that was the problem. They had transitioned from Eva Gardner. I think her grand, her father had died or something like that. And so they had to get someone to fill in. And I got ralph jasso so i guess he was filling in at the time they were recording you know this landscape tantrums but then he didn't work out and i think the next one that they were going to get was going to eventually be juan but they needed someone to record this album and i bet rick rubin he's like i know a guy i know a guy oh yeah yeah how do you feel about what's the policy in mars volta on shirts though (laughs) because this guy ain't wearing one (laughs) uh, he'll wear a sock but uh no shirt uh yeah i I think he probably was like you should get flea and yeah yeah. and john frusciante is on d loused a little bit too right he's not on all of it but right i thought he played on like one part or one song right I, i i believe so and he went on to play on a lot he he played on Francis the Mute, and then he played all of Omar's parts 
on Amputecture. So he, really, yeah, huh. he Omar just wrote his all his guitar parts and then showed them to oh, John Frushanti, gave them to him, and was like, "All right, those are your parts." And so John Frushanti performs all of his parts, and he just acts as the director of that album. It's what crazy. a weird choice! It's crazy. I, you know, I've always said it: the, the, if without Anthony Kiedis, Red Hot Chili Peppers would be one of my favorite bands. But yeah, <laughs> Anthony yeah. Kiedis bugs the hell out of me so much that. Uh, yeah, but John Frusciante and Flea are both amazing, obviously. Can we get a suck, suck my kiss soundbite? <laughs> drop. Right. I'll, try. Toy. I'll try to do a drop. We're going to need Dude. that for future fun and excitement. Um, who, who produced uh, Landscape Tantrums? Was it self-produced by Omar? I, I believe so, yeah. I believe they recorded it. I don't, I don't remember like what studio they did it at or anything like that. I don't have that. Yeah. Um, Doesn't Rick Rubin like sometimes not even come into those albums he produces? I had heard one time uh, that he just yes. like, well, radio, the couch. like telephone in and just be like, eh, let me hear the song. He Skypes it. You know, <laughs> everyone's like brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> That's the kind of job I want. I oh, just, yeah. I just but when this, you got a Johnny Cash, you show up. The, yeah. When you said the thing about bringing in Flea, I just had this vision of Flea is hiding in Rick Rubin's beard. <laughs> he comes out, he's like, <laughs> he's like, I know a guy. He, he just pops out, you know? <laughs> he leaps out like a monkey boy. <laughs> Does it creep anyone else Slapping out that he's in uh, Back to the Future Part 2 is needles? Yeah. yeah. It's so weird. He's the guy, yeah, on the on the hoverboard. Nice. Yeah, chasing Marty. Well, what are we talking about next week, Blake? All right. Your homework for next time, listen to Extraordinary Machine by Fiona Apple. Um, also, your homework, go to patreon.com slash auxaudio. We have a Discographology bonus episode up yeah. now, and more will be there in the future. I hope to do one about Fiona Apple soon. Uh, do you guys want to say what the bonus we did is? Go for it, Josh. Sure. It's uh, Logan and I talking about our top 20, each of us talking about our top 20 Weezer songs, uh, although there is some crossovers, so it's not necessarily 40 songs. Um, but yeah, we kind of go through and talk about our, our history with Weezer. Also, if you want just a snippet of that, uh, you can find it on our YouTube channel. Uh, if you just look up more of that presents discographology there, you can find yeah. the little taste of what it will be like and then get the full thing. Got to go subscribe to Patreon. I also put an even shorter taste of what oh, yeah. it's like in the in the main feed of the podcast, just in case nice. they hadn't heard that. I, I saw it as more like a uh, you two are making great two great playlists more. Yes. More than just like lists. Yeah. But, we do sequence. Yeah, very good. Cool. All right. Well, we'll see everybody right. next week for Extraordinary Machine, right? Thanks, everybody. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither while they pass. They slip away across the universe. Pools of sorrow, waves of joy. Kiss!